Book of Mormon Prophecy, a podcast series by Avraham Gileadi, Ph.D. 5. What are the missing covenants? Do Latter-day Saints realize that many plain and precious parts removed from the scriptures consist of the covenants God made with the house of Israel? Welcome to podcast number five in the series, Book of Mormon Prophecy. It's called, What are the Missing Covenants? First scripture I'm going to read is from 1 Nephi 13, 24 through 25, where the angel is showing Nephi the coming forth of the Bible among the Gentiles of the American continent. The Gentiles receive the Bible in its purity, is my heading. Thou hast beheld that the book proceeded forth from the mouth of a Jew, or in other words, the Jews in general, and when it proceeded forth from the mouth of a Jew, it contained the fullness of the gospel of the Lord, of whom the twelve apostles bear record. And they bear record according to the truth which is in the Lamb of God, wherefore these things go forth from the Jews in purity unto the Gentiles, according to the truth which is in God. Now I've done quite a bit of translating from the Old Testament. Uh, especially the prophets, the Hebrew prophets. So I have found from the internal literary evidences in the, in the book of Isaiah, for example, that the book of Isaiah and other scriptures are pretty well intact. There are a few scribal errors that I discovered, but not really much. But there's something missing after it comes forth from the Jews to the Gentiles. If we read on, Verse Nephi 13, 26-27, plain and precious parts are removed. And after they go forth by the hand of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, from the Jews unto the Gentiles, thou seest the formation of that great and abominable church, which is most abominable above all other churches. For behold, they have taken away from the gospel of the Lamb many parts which are plain and precious, which are plain and most precious, and also many covenants of the Lord have they taken away. And all this had they done, that they might pervert the right ways of the Lord, that they might blind the eyes and harden the hearts of the children of men. As the Bible goes, all the world. Well, these two things are in parallel here. Most precious parts have they taken away, and also many covenants of the Lord have they taken away. The word links the parallel, these two things are taken away. So that tells you, using the Hebrew methodology, or the Jewish methodology, that the plain and precious parts that the great and abominable church has taken away have to do with the covenants of the Lord. They are the covenants of the Lord. And we know that Christianity has removed those covenants, it has made the people subservient to the church, not to God directly. It made them subservient to the church. They've done away with the covenants, and so... The people look to the church for deliverance or salvation, not from the Lord directly. They've forgotten the idea of making personal covenants. That's part of the restoration of the fullness of the gospel, is to restore the covenants. And those covenants are principally three in the Old Testament. The covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it's called the covenant of Abraham. And the Sinai covenant, the collective covenant with God's people Israel. And then after that, the Davidic covenant, God's covenant with King David and his ruling heirs, which we also inherit when we fulfill our mission as kings and queens, which 
We've already discussed some of that, but we'll discuss that more in more detail hereafter. So here's a scripture from 1 Nephi 15, 18, the Lord's covenant with Abraham. Our father has not spoken of our seed alone, that's Lehi, but also of all the house of Israel, pointing to the covenant which should be fulfilled in the latter days, or the last days, or the end time, all one the same meaning in Hebrew, which covenant the Lord made to our father Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And of course, how you wonder how will they be blessed? Well, by being received into the Lord's covenant with his people Israel. When the gospel was taken from the Jews and went to the Gentiles, it could do so partly because by right of lineage, even though Gentiles are mostly spoken of as non-Israelites. But by that time, when that happened, around the time of Christ, or soon after Christ, the, the Israelites had been in exile and scattered around the earth or already for um, 700 or more years. And so the intermingling of the lineages of the Israelites with the Gentiles qualified the Gentiles, if you want to be technical about it, also for receiving the covenant. But still, they're mostly called the wild branches. They mostly don't get it together, really, in the end. So that is how God's covenant with Abraham blesses the entire earth, is through his the intermingling of the, of the sea and also the message of the covenant that gives all the world, all lineages, Gentiles, everybody, the heathen, a chance to come into God's covenant with Israel. And that is the blessing. So the Lord used the scattering of Israel, which resulted because of their apostasy, to advantage. He brought good out of evil by allowing or enabling all peoples of the earth to come into Israel's covenant through the book, through the scriptures that go forth to all the world and making the whole world acquainted with God's covenants. Then we come to 1 Nephi 22, 10 through 12. The Lord, makes, the Lord God makes bare his arm. And we've discussed this before, but we're going to get into more detail about the Lord's arm in podcast number nine a little later on. Nephi says, I would, my brethren, that you should know that all the kindreds of the earth cannot be blessed, that is, through the blessing of Abraham and the covenants of the Lord with his people and so forth, cannot be blessed unless he shall make bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations. Now, there's something about this arm that's hidden right now. And until then, until a certain point in time, the Lord is going to keep it hidden, and then he's going to bear his arm in the eyes of all nations. And it's a universal event from the get-go when that happens. Wherefore, the Lord God will proceed to make bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations in bringing about his covenants and his gospel unto those who are of the house of Israel. That is, to the Jews, the ten lost tribes of today, and to Lehi's descendants, the Lamanites of today, the house of Israel. Wherefore he will bring them again out of captivity, or bondage, or whatever, and they will be gathered together to the lands of their inheritance. They shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness, kind of like the Lamanites who were converted by the sons of Messiah, as we discussed the other day. And who does that? That's the big question. 
The question is, who takes the gospel to them? And that would be the Gentiles. That would be those members of the church today who are identified as Gentiles, which we discussed in an earlier podcast. Here's Jesus speaking, 3 Nephi 16, 10-11. The end-time Gentiles reject the gospel. That is, the end-time Gentiles as a whole reject the gospel after they have received it. It becomes clear from Jesus' uh, prophecies in 3 Nephi 16 and also 3 Nephi 20 and 3 Nephi 21, where the gospel turns away from the Gentiles back to the house of Israel, from the wild branches back to the natural branches. But who does that? Even though the Gentiles as a whole reject the gospel after they have received it, some among them take on the task of being saviors serving as saviors to the house of Israel. So really the Gentiles divide into two, and we're going to discuss that in our next podcast. So the Lord says, If they, that is the Gentiles, shall do those things, the bad things he just enumerated, a bunch of them, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them, and then will I remember my covenant which I have made unto my people, O house of Israel, and I will bring my gospel unto them. That is because the gospel pertains to God's covenant with his people Israel. We Gentiles, or Ephraimite lineages that are assimilated into the Gentiles, it's almost like, you know, we're given this extra chance. That's why these scriptures talk about the mercies of the Father extended to the Gentiles more than to any other people. And so it goes on, you know, that the sequence of these events is, first of all, the Gentiles as a whole reject the gospel, and then, then it goes to the Jews, the natural lineages, and to the other members of the house of Israel. Just as it did anciently, so now it does the reverse. It went from the Jews to the Gentiles, now from the Gentiles back to the Jews and the other members of the house of Israel. And from 2 Nephi 10, 7-9, uh, the house of Israel believes and gathers. As when the day cometh that they shall believe in me, that is, the Jews and other members of the house of Israel, that I am Christ, then I have I covenanted with their fathers. Is that covenant idea? Covenants, covenants, covenants. You know, the Lord only acts within the parameters of his covenant. Did you know that? He does nothing in the world from the beginning to the end unless it is in relation to a covenant he made somewhere with somebody. And it's all about the fulfilling of the covenants in the end time. That is when God's covenants with all peoples are fulfilled. When the day cometh that they shall believe in me that I am Christ, then have I covenant with their fathers that they shall be restored in the flesh upon the earth. It's a literal, physical restoration. It's not just spiritual, because Israel once had a promised land, correct? And so they will again, the natural lineages I'm speaking of. During the millennial age, they will receive permanent inheritances in the millennial land. They shall be restored in the flesh upon the earth unto the lands of their inheritance, and it shall come to pass that they shall be gathered in from their long dispersion. Well, yes, 2,700 years. From the isles of the sea and from the four parts of the earth, and the nations of the Gentiles shall be great in the eyes of me, saith God, 
in carrying them forth to the lands of their inheritance. Here the kings of the Gentiles shall be nursing fathers unto them, and their queens shall become nursing mothers. And this is all about Latter-day Saints and what our role is as Ephraimites, a birthright tribe in fulfilling our mission or role or ministry to the house of Israel. So even though the bulk of us, like the Jews, apostatize, there were Jews who took the gospel to the Gentiles. In this case, it is these kings and queens, these spiritual kings and queens who do that. Like the sons of Messiah, they served a mission right out from the Nephites to the, Gen to the Lamanites and converted thousands upon thousands all at once. That will repeat itself in the end time. That is a typological event, event that repeats itself. Then we read in 3 Nephi 16 again from Jesus, verses 4 and 5, the fullness of the Gentiles ministers to Israel. We discussed that the fullness of the Gentiles were the descendants of Ephraim in the end time. It's an expression that characterizes the people of Ephraim in the end time. The consummation of the Gentiles, the fullness of the Gentiles, it's those Gentiles who prove to be loyal to the Lord God, who are not rebellious, who don't apostatize, who don't. They are the seed of Ephraim. They are the true lineage of Ephraim that throws off the shackles of assimilation and takes on its end-time role of saviors to the house of Israel. These things which you shall write shall be kept and shall be manifested unto the Gentiles, that through the fullness of the Gentiles, that is, through the descendants of Ephraim, the remnant of their seed who shall be scattered forth upon the face of the earth because of their unbelief, may be brought in, or may be brought to a knowledge of me, their Redeemer, and then will I gather them in from the four quarters of the earth, and then will I fulfill the covenant which the Father hath made unto the people of the house of Israel. Okay, so we've talked about the apostasy of the Gentiles. We've talked about the house of Israel believing. And now we're talking about these Gentiles, who are the descendants of Ephraim, taking on their role of saviors and gathering them from the four quarters of the earth and fulfilling the Father's covenant with the house of Israel. We do that. Or we will do that, or we shall do that, or some of us will do it, take it on. And then, when does this happen? First Nephi 14, 17. Deliverance and destruction occur together or simultaneously. When the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, upon the entire earth, really, Babylon, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose founder is the devil, then at that day the work of the Father shall commence in preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants which he hath made to his people who are of the house of Israel. So it happens in a time of worldwide disaster and destruction. Would you think that that might be getting closer, the way the world is heading? But there's going to be opposition to this work. Of course, there's always opposition. That's going to test the saints and test the saviors, test everybody. From 3 Nephi 29.9, You need not suppose that you can turn the right hand of the Lord unto the left, that he may not execute judgment unto the fulfilling of the covenant which he hath made unto the house of Israel. So there are some who are thinking that, hey, that's not where it's at, that's not where we've been taught, that's not, you know, where'd you get that? Well, it's here in the scriptures, of course, if they'll just look. But there's going to be op 
opposition, very likely from within our own ranks, which is usually where the worst opposition comes from, as you know. And then 3 Nephi 20, verse 22, the new Jerusalem is going to be the land of inheritance for the house of Israel. This people, speaking to the Nephites of that time, Jesus, this people will I establish in this land, that is the Americas, unto the fulfilling of the covenant which I made with your father Jacob, and it shall be a new Jerusalem. And the powers of heaven shall be in the midst of this people, yea, even I will be in the midst. And that is, of course, when Jesus comes and dwells in Zion among his people. But also, the Jews gather to the old Jerusalem. All the other tribes gather to the new Jerusalem, but Jews gather to the land of Palestine. As we read in 3 Nephi 20, verse 29, I will remember my covenant which I have made unto my people, Jesus speaking, and I have covenanted with them that I would gather them together in mine own due time. And that phrase, mine own due time, is really important because it's kind of a word link to a whole lot of things. If you follow that expression all the way through, my own due time or the Lord's own due time and so forth, it's a very specific time period right before the coming of the Lord. That I would gather them together in mine own due time, that I would give unto them again the land of their fathers for their inheritance, which is the land of Jerusalem, which is the promised land unto them forever, saith the Father. Thus, the fulfilling of the covenants is part of the restoration of all things, or rather the restoration of all things that the Lords and prophets have predicted since aeons is part of this fulfilling of the Lord's covenant on the earth. And here's Nephi, who's he just kind of sums up 2 Nephi 11.5. He's seen all these events in vision. The Lord's covenants are a delight to the soul. He says, My soul delighteth in the covenants of the Lord, which he hath made to our fathers. Yea, my soul delighteth in his grace and in his justice and power and mercy in the great and eternal plan of deliverance from death, spiritual and physical, because death will be everywhere in those days, the end time. All of it is by God's grace and by his great plan that he's foreseen from the beginning. So in summary, coming up, God fulfills his covenants with the house of Israel in the end time when the Gentiles reject the fullness of the gospel the gospel turns back to the house of Israel. And of course, there's also worldwide destruction going on at that time. Time frame is the end of the world, the world as we know it, when God fulfills his covenants with his people Israel. Now moving forward, what is Ephraim's end time role in fulfilling these covenants? And we're going to discuss that in our next podcast. The mission of Ephraim's spiritual kings and queens. And my recommended reading and list, or listening is listen or read Isaiah Decoded, Ascending the Ladder to Heaven. Thank you for joining us today. Join us next time when we learn we Ephraimite kings and queens. What does it mean for Latter-day Saints to serve as kings and queens? Who are the spiritual kings and queens of the Gentiles who restore the house of Israel.